0: Money Show. Small business. Innovation. I thought innovation was an old-fashioned idea. I thought innovation had come and gone as a concept when it comes to business, but it turns out Pavlo Fatidis at Auric Business Accelerator, innovation is very much alive and well and as critical as it ever has been.
1: I think it's as critical as invoicing. Invoicing is pretty serious, Bruce. (laughs) If you don't invoice, uh, you will die. And due to the fact that really if change is a given constant, you have one of two options. You can either react to the change that's brought upon you, because if you look very closely to how that change is brought upon you, how it manifests in your business, it typically is driven when a set of circumstances triggers a change in the status quo of customers or suppliers or your clients. And the few businesses in your industry who are on the edge of innovating, innovate in order to survive. It's not a point of, of trying to innovate, to dominate or anything along. they change because they themselves have to survive. And when they change, the 5%, the 3% that change, once that trigger event, think of COVID, a year and a half ago, Once we'd gotten through April and May, and a lot of companies then started to come back to life again after the shock of the lockdown, they noticed that the environment had changed, their customers' experiences had changed. But the fact of the matter is that the environment had changed because the companies they compete against had innovated, that made the changes necessary to remain relevant and set a new group of rules, a new frame of rules in which the industry would play. You woke up to that and saying, gosh, we better respond to the changes in the environment. My view, if you're building a business to win, you need to lead that innovation so that your competitors respond to you, you responding to the change. And this is
0: the important thing here because the world is changing and you've constantly got to be responding to that changing environment. You mustn't be looking at your competitors, watching what they're doing and responding to them because that puts you two, three, four steps behind where they are. If you truly are going to innovate and be innovative, that means you need to be original and you need to be very specific in how you're going to serve your customers into the future.
1: Completely. You know, there's, I mean, I've mentioned this book before and I've mentioned this author before and I've mentioned this individual too. Andy Grove wrote a book called Only the Paranoid Survive. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Bruce, I read that book years ago. And honestly, it's become almost second nature to look at the world in that light. It only serves you. And yet today I had an engagement. We we, we spoke a lot um, with a bunch of business owners about time. And we've had this topic on The Money Show before. Are you investing your time or are you spending your time? And the one thing that became very, very, very apparent is that to the extent that you work in response to customers and you don't anchor yourself in response to your competitors, the point you just made, it means that if you have a product and someone is beating you in the market, you don't go and look at their product and say, oh my word, you know, they've got five little gadgets we've only got three gadgets we need to beat them by creating an additional three gadgets so we have six gadgets and they've got five gadgets and the reason for that is because the gadgets don't win the game what wins the game is the extent to which you can respond and almost lead your clients and customers into wanting and needing different things if you can do that whilst they're copying your product you're already iterating and changing the product for the next change that you are going to bring, due to the fact that you're innovating and leading.
0: Yeah, and it's about—I mean—and again, if you're innovating simply to try and keep up, um, you're not innovating; you're copying, <laughs> copying, <laughs> yeah. and copying doesn't win, does it?
1: Completely, it doesn't. It does not win. You, you know what's also interesting? I'm reading a fascinating book at the moment about social revolutions, and the book dates back to around 1300 where there was a significant shift. It was the early stages of moving out of the dark ages. And they speak about the social revolutions that were very hard to define that preempted the economic revolutions, the big three, four economic revolutions we've had since then, uh, around land, around products, and around knowledge. Okay, land, money, and knowledge. And, And what's been fascinating about the book is that it's pointing more and more and more to the fact That people today are becoming smarter people today are getting more and more access to knowledge people today are getting access to funding if you have a good idea and you have the adeptness to bring that idea to market there's more money sloshing around the economy globally than there are opportunities to invest it so if that's the case well then what leads the next social revolution and therefore economic revolution And increasingly, this book is pointing to entrepreneurship. And if you think about what entrepreneurship is, it's about being able to identify a problem, figuring out how to solve it in a way that allows you to build a business that will have either a product or service, and then grow the business to serve more people in doing exactly that. Innovation and entrepreneurship go hand in hand. It's impossible not to have the one without the other.
0: So then, Pablo, tell me, um, you, again, do you innovate everything? Do you cherry-pick what you innovate? How? Because, uh, w- I mean, once you start, it's like a, a tube of Pringles chips. You, once you pop, you can't stop. Um, it, it's, it's that
1: problem, <laughs> isn't it? It is terrible. No, but here's the thing. The, the approach to innovation that I really don't like is that it's always considered to be an event. And I'm a firm, firm, firm believer, and... It might be because of some uh, 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 issues linked to my my ancestry more than anything else. But I'm a firm believer, Bruce, that it needs to be part of everyday life. It needs to be part of everything you do. And Aristotle himself quoted it and said, if excellence is driven by your behavior, then habits make for your excellence. I think you need to design a technique, a strategy to innovation in a business that is certain, that is easy, that brings everybody along. Because if you have an innovation that no one implements, then there is no value in it. And that is inclusive. And the best way to do it is through a a series of three tactics. Um, The one sounds a bit dubious, but the other two are gonna be more familiar to you. And the first tactic is called the suck strategy. And the suck strategy is something that you, are you all right, Bruce? No, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm thinking to myself, the suck strategy. Most
0: strategies do suck, absolutely. So I, mean, I think we're, we're, we're on the right
1: path, yes. They do, they do indeed. So the suck strategy is where you look at the uh, kernel of your business, the middle of your business, the inside of the business, with the view to suck the opportunities, the ideas ah, out. Ah, got you, okay. And the best way to get that done is to work with your teams, work with your employees their everyday activities are loaded with inefficiencies, with ineffectiveness, with cholesterol from a system that you might have built three years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago, that's still being mindlessly applied. And if you work with those teams effectively, you will be able to find the many, many, many small changes that if made, will be able to improve effectiveness and efficiency, and those micro changes rack and stack over the period of a year to have a big impact in the productivity and efficiency of your business. So SAC strategy depends on your ability to talk to your team and to talk to them in such a fashion that you take them along and make innovation, in other words, continuous improvement, almost second nature in the job function that they perform. The second strategy is a pull strategy. And bruce this is the hardest one to get right because a lot of business owners are scared of their customers and clients this is where you go to your customers and clients and specifically identify the five toughest most difficult most obdurate customers and clients you have and forge relationships with them establish a twice yearly coffee meeting with them and ask them how things are ask them why they support you Ask them what they don't like. Ask them what they want. Ask them what they need. And every time they give you an answer, say, why, why, why? Because they will give you the earliest signal of change in the market. And the final strategy is a pull strategy. The pull strategy means you go to all your suppliers, you organize them into your vital suppliers, your important suppliers, and then the rest. And in your vital and important suppliers, find an opportunity to meet with them once every six months with a view to understand what's changing in their worlds that will result in changes for you. And then Bruce, once you've understood how innovation will drive their businesses, insist that they push it into your business to change the way you onboard their products and services, because it trickles all the way through to those five grumpy clients. That will be the earliest signal of change and the leaders of innovation in your own business on their behalf. Suck, pull, push. Easy. Got it. Thank you. Pavlo Fatidis at Auric Business
0: Accelerator.